What's up? Welcome to the AV Club Podcast. My guest today is Samara Williams, but I call her Sam because we're friends and I'm allowed to. Sam is in the cybersecurity world and she has a specific role and it's way more complex than that, but that's what I'm going to say for simplicity and because I really don't understand what she does. She told me I have an idea, but yeah, not, not my ballpark. And she'll tell you all about it in the episode, and I'm super excited because she gives us practical tips on how to be more safe in our everyday lives with social media and just everyday lives. We also get into a little bit of her personal story, um, and it's freaking awesome because I've been wanting to hear this from her, and I'm glad we were able to get it on podcast and share it with you guys. And so here is Sam Williams. Good morning, Sam. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing real good. What are you drinking? What kind of coffee is that? Coffee. Coffee. I know it's coffee. What is it? Any any type of coffee. I don't even care. (laughs) Um, I don't, it's a, it's called Sunny Roasts. We have um, a really good cafe. uh, Well, it's a chain. It's a franchise, right? It's Mm. not like this mom and pop cafe, but it's called Sunny Street, Sunny Street Cafe. um, And it's, it's real good. So I love the coffee. The uh, I was looking it up just now. Actually, the coffee festival is coming up. Are you gonna go? Yeah, no, no, we can't. Um, we so we did get a babysitter for the kids, right? Mm. But it was only for like date nights, mm. right? I don't know how I feel just yet about taking a day, right? From her. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, next week there's an OSU football game, Jess and I might go to, and maybe that'll be our first day, you know. But no, the coffee fest here is amazing. Yeah, I thought we were going to be able to go. I'm pretty bummed that we're not going to make that. Yeah. Well, we have other plans when you guys are out here for uh, Halloween and whatnot. Rocky yeah. Horror Picture Show. Did yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited about that. I've heard good it's things awesome. about that. Have you, <laughs> you seen it before? It oh, yeah, fun. yeah. We went. Um, so this is my, this would be my third or fourth time seeing it. So when mm-hmm. we were in San Antonio, we went and saw it as well and then found a really nice theater up here that we could watch it too that's awesome yeah i'm excited for yeah. that i'm yeah, excited so it'll be your first time they yeah it'll be your first time oh, okay first some, time. some theaters put a v on your forehead for virgin if it's your first time <laughs> i don't think i don't think this one does though okay good, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sam uh explain to yeah. people what it is that you do in your profession because i know that i know a little bit about it but i also mm-hmm. want to know more so yeah I'll try to keep it as brief as possible because um, it's it's pretty uh, complicated. Okay. But <clears throat> so essentially, I work in the cybersecurity field. That's what I tell random strangers, right? <laughs> but in my particular domain, I work on the preventative side. Okay. Right. So you have um, you've got the people who are trying to stop it, right? We're all trying to stop it, but there's other people who are um, also testing, right? So pen testers, hackers. They're the mm-hmm. ones who act like threat actors and try to attack a company, right? Um, some people say that's preventative. I think it's more of a sort of a checks and balances almost, right? Um, and then there are the people that detect activity, right? So I think of that as more of a reactive, right? Something's happening, so you do something about it. Mm-hmm. So what um, what my disciplines are called so i'm the manager of a little my own little empire at this point right because <laughs> by the end of the year i'll have uh, 14 people on my team 
That's um, awesome. Which is, it's a lot. It's, it's definitely a lot. It's a huge <laughs> responsibility. But half of those people are dedicated to vulnerability management, which is essentially, you know, you have software vulnerabilities, um, hardware vulnerabilities. We have a tool that we use to monitor and check on those vulnerabilities, and we work with other teams to patch them. Right. Yeah. So every time your computer has an update, it's likely fixing some sort of func functionality or software vulnerability. Right. Um, and then on the other side is threat intelligence. And that's that's the really preventative aspect where we are constantly doing research on uh, different threat actors and how they're exploiting environments. And then we sort of analyze data um, coming into our environment as well as um our our current controls and stuff to see if mm -hmm. we could actually defend against those threat actors so right. um it's really super challenging right because vulnerability management <clears throat> especially for a company like cardinal health um over fifty thousand assets that and they're all different operating systems and right. um, it's really hard to stay on top of and all the threat actors need is just one vulnerability to exploit Right. And we have, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to say the number because that is um, more private, obviously, but we have a lot. I'll just say yeah. that. Um, right. So, yeah. And then, you know, trying to prove that you've prevented something is extremely hard as well. Yeah, I bet. So, like, how yeah. do you when it comes to doing research, how do you do research on something that's active? And if you you know what I'm saying, like if you're trying yeah. to prevent people and there's new ways at all times, how do mm -hmm. you that's. How do yeah. you even do that? That's so well, money rules the world, right? So yeah. what I love about cybersecurity is that there's a lot of um, open source. So just things on the internet, people mm -hmm. that are super collaborative, sharing different tips, tricks, skill sets, tool sets. Cool. <clears throat> so yeah, so there are different groups that you could be a part of. You, generally, you're invited to them and they share different things that they're seeing. So we call it in the wild, right? Right. Um, but there are also obviously commercial people who have monetized these skills, right? So um, we leverage different feeds and enrichment sources, but we also have a dark web monitoring service. And these are people who are legitimately hired to act as though they are threat actors. They can speak Russian and Spanish and all German and all this stuff. And they're in those deep and dark web forums um, conversing with people and um, you know learning about what's going on right now. So yeah. we get we get a lot of intelligence from them. So um, the the biggest thing I guess I could I could say is with a threat intelligence program is part of it is consuming that intelligence. So all that stuff I said we consume mm -hmm. that we analyze it, and then the other one is generating intelligence. So taking the intelligence we've consumed, comparing it to our internal controls, processes, procedures, and then generating intelligence, actionable intelligence. Right. This is right. what we need to do use our recommendations so yeah that's pretty wild. challenging sounds yeah. challenging and this is a pretty relatively new role for you right you didn't you yeah how long have you been in this per current position so manager of both of these um disciplines i would be one year in november man wow. flying by yeah but prior to that i was sort of um the senior engineer responsible for building the threat intelligence function so when I came over and started and um, started to manage vulnerability management, um, really, I thought it was boring in the beginning. But now it's um, it's still it's still kind of boring. But there are aspects to it, right? When you look at it big picture, that yeah. you can really create or or um, you know produce effective change and mm. really in that space. So 
um, it's, a, it's a unique, there's not a lot of companies that put vulnerability management and threat intelligence together. Um, so we're finding unique ways to um, have those teams collaborate, right? And threat modeling is, mm -hmm. is one of those places. Yeah. So, yeah. That's very fascinating. Sounds very cool complicated. Job. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I did I did not. So whenever I first met you, um, mm -hmm. I had no idea this is what, and of course, I'm not going to know your profession without asking you, but sure. I, did you go to school for this? Is this something you went to school for? Or is this something that kind of branched off of your, like a first job and then started yeah. spiraling from there? No, I kind of, I kind of fell into it, um, to be honest. So, yeah. um, you know, I went to UMHB, that's where Daniel went that's where you know his big sister went that's where I met his big sister so mm -hmm. um it was all about basketball in the beginning dude you know yeah. so I didn't really give a shit about my degree plan or right. anything like that yeah um, but two years in when I realized that basketball was not going to be like my life um I, I started to really look at the curriculum there and I was just like man I don't I don't even know what I'm going to do with this right I've always know I always knew I was going to be like businesswoman corporate America. I have a little, I have a small entrepreneurial bone in my body somewhere. Mm -hmm. Right. I haven't <laughs> found it yet, <laughs> but, um, I, I, once I moved back to Texas, right. After all that drama and whatnot that happened, um, my mom actually worked for a chair, um, of the information security and assurance. It was like a new, um, I can't believe it was new, but it was a new program within Northwest Vista in San Antonio, mm -hmm. Texas. Um, and she was like, give this a shot. So I did, right? Um, I did. And I, I got one of my, I got those, one of those certifications. It's actually extremely hard to get into cybersecurity for whatever reason. Right. I think yeah. there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of elitists in our field. I'm not one of them. I'm happy to bring on anybody. Um, but mm. when I have the money, obviously, but anyway, so I, I sort of fell, fell into it and kind of fell in love from there. It really, um, just, it meshed really well with my personality, yeah. just general paranoia and self-social and situations. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I love it. I'm not going anywhere. That's Staying awesome. In this field forever. Were you, were, you in, <laughs> were you intimidated by it at first? Because it seems as if just off <sighs> the top for me, it seems like cybersecurity. Oh, I have to have, you know, this degree and I have to know this, this and that to be able to excel in that. And then, I mean, it seems like, Obviously, you had a degree, but you're excelling to levels you probably you probably didn't know you were going to reach this quickly. Honestly, yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, so to your original question, yes, it's extremely daunting. There are there's everything to know. You can know everything and nothing all at the same time, yeah. right? Um, but the sooner you realize that, the better. The sooner you realize I'm not going to know everything. There are other you know subject matter experts that I can reach out to and learn from. Um, then, then you're sort of better off, but people always come to me. What should I work on? <laughs> right. What should I work on? I was like, well, that depends what there's so many different areas within cyber. Right. Yeah. So I was extremely fortunate. Right. So I went, I, um, I worked at Accenture. I was just in general sort of it, which I was really happy with, but the end goal was always, you know, cybersecurity. So I was like applying everywhere at one point, just trying to get my name out there. And, um, I saw this this job in Columbus, Ohio, right? And for, when I worked for Accenture, I used to fly out to uh, Dayton, Ohio. And I was like, this is chill as hell. You know, I was like, <laughs> I've never been to Ohio. It's one of those flyover states you don't think about, right? Right. Uh, all you hear about is Cleveland, because of LeBron at that point. So, um, 
I was like, this seems pretty chill. And I remember like it was yesterday. I looked over to Jess and I was like, should I apply for this job? And she was like, what's the worst that going to happen? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and like, that's, that's the whole like takeoff point. Right. Because um, I got the job and I had to move within a month. So we moved within a month. Well, I moved in a month and then we were getting married in three months. So I Jess stayed that. there. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Like, um, she planned the whole wedding. I didn't do anything. <laughs> I didn't do a single, I didn't do a single thing. Okay. Um, all I did was fly down get married and fly back. So she eventually <laughs> met me up here, but the program that I had applied to that was in Columbus was a, um, a glorified internship, right? Or essentially you're paid to rotate through seven different companies in their cybersecurity departments, right? Learn from them at the end of the program, which is about two years, the, um, the companies can, um, pick somebody from the program, whoever they want to offer a job to. So I had a few offers, but I had landed on one of them. But to, to, so essentially when I started that program, it was extremely overwhelming. Yeah. Right. Obviously I sort of had a guide because each company uh, provided a different space you could work in, mm-hmm. but um, it was only 10 weeks, 10 week rotations. So trying wow. to absorb all of that information, you know, at once was really tough. But um, what I noticed, you know, being the only female um and the only like minority essentially everybody surrounding me was a, a white male um and for lack of a better phrase they were waiting for th- things to come to them right. right um but i realized i was in a unique position to take advantage of the fact that CISOs and cios knew about me this little old intern right because they had to invest in the program in order to be to, to enter it right mm. so i started meeting with all the CISOs because I quickly realized that Columbus, Ohio, and really, honestly, any information cybersecurity community is extremely small. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows everybody. So I just started talking to people and like building my network. And it's done, um, it's done great things for me since. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. I'm super impressed. I don't know. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about your TEDx yeah. uh, presentation, because I've, I've yeah. seen that a couple of times. The first time, obviously, just because I know you, I'm a fan of you, and I wanted to support and watch it. <laughs> Appreciate and then, that. Yeah. The second two is because because of this, I wanted to like listen to it and see what you said mm-hmm. and kind of prepare. Um, it's it's titled "Keep Your Shit Safe," right? Yeah. That's so funny. Yes. Right out yeah. of the gate <laughs> is what you said. <laughs> and yeah, right out of the gate. Look it up on YouTube. It's really good. It's really good information. Um, how did that come about? That whole opportunity to do the TEDx talk. That's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty big time. Yeah, I'm telling you, build your network because um, it was actually one of the people I consider to be a sponsor. He's actually my leadership coach now, who um, just thought of me for that opportunity. And man, that was that was November of 2019. So it was a good two years ago. I was only really three three and a half years deep in yeah. cyber, and I'm just like, I'm not I'm not fucking qualified to do a TEDx <laughs> on the You know what I'm saying? But he was like, it's not about your experience; it's about your energy. Yeah. So he thought about me and thought about, you know, who could deliver a message. And so he hit me up and he was like, look, I have this opportunity. You can, um, he, he was very good and didn't want to give me any imposter syndrome because he didn't tell me it was a Ted thing. Okay. First of all, but he was like, I need you to do this five minute talk for, I don't know, 400 people. And you know, when you hear that, you're just like, what What do you mean? Do what, what, who, what, when, where, why? Um, and he was like, well, you need to tell them everything that they need to know about cybersecurity in five minutes. And I was just like, how, you know what I mean? Like what, 
there's no way there's not a single way um but he was like it's a it's general public right and that made it a little easier because i needed to not dumb it down but keep it simple right Mm -hmm. um and turns out it was closer to 800 people so i think he was you know burying the lead a little bit there's a I mean, the, the auditorium, the auditorium was filled. I mean, it was, I don't know if it was sold out, but it was definitely full. Um, and I, I actually got the opportunity to get some coaching from like a, like a Ted, I think she, cause TEDx is like a franchise where you can do different cities. Mm-hmm. I think she's like the leader, the lead organizer. And she was actually my, my speaking coach. And oh, that's awesome. I asked her cause I was lost completely lost at first started building a ton of outlines i knew i wanted it to be a story and i knew i wanted it to connect to the everyday person yeah so um i don't know i don't know when or how it clicked right but i all i all i remember is that when i started in cybersecurity, um the way i was raised was extremely helpful right because my mom was always you know i walked home from school as latchkey kids so she was like always look in cars, right. That are parked on the side of the road. Is there someone in there? You mm. know what I mean? Like yeah. so, situational social awareness. Um, so I was like, well, what can I tie cybersecurity to that will help it click for other people? So I went with physical security because that's what, what's something everyone does. They always lock their doors. You know what I mean? Um, so, <laughs> and, and then uh, I asked my, my leadership coach, I was like, not my leadership coach, my speaking coach at the time, um, I was like, can I curse? Because I am incredibly nervous. And that's something that just makes me feel comfortable. Yeah, right? yeah. I know when I curse with somebody, it's because I feel comfortable with them. Mm-hmm. And she was like, she's like, hell yeah. <laughs> so that's <laughs> when I, I sort of decided to, um, to title it, keep your shit safe. Because I also, it's five minutes, right? I need to keep them engaged. And I need to catch them from the beginning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and I thought that was the, the best way to do it. So. Yeah, it definitely was. I think you are a really good person for an opportunity like that because you are, you're just engaging. You're, you're personable and you make people feel, yeah, yeah, of course. And I'm not, I mean, it sounds like I'm sucking up, but I'm just (laughs) being, I'm being honest. Like it's from the moment I met you, I'm like, Oh shit, she's there. Yep. She's there. Yeah. I have a presence. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've heard that. I actually take, I actually take a lot of personality tests and like leadership, I've yeah. taken a leadership assessment. It's not cheap stuff, but I, I love to learn about myself and mm-hmm. maybe I'm self-absorbed. I don't think I'm narcissistic. I'm not that far ahead, but um, I do. I'm, I'm just obsessed with my own personal growth. Yeah. Right. And one of my personality traits is called uh, a woo, which is W-O-O, win others over. And it's mm. essentially like first impressions, just being good at first impressions. And um so I, I, once you learn about yourself, you, you see what to leverage. Yeah, um, no, that's true. Yeah. And then you see what you need to yeah. work on, right? That's awesome. Exactly. That's super yeah. cool. Yeah, that was a great, it was a great talk. It was like a five minute speech and it was super engaging the whole time. And I understood everything. And I was, I, at first I was like, oh man, am I going to understand this? But you, you nailed it. Yeah. Like you, you Thanks. knocked that one out of the park, which is super cool. And I really recommend people go watch that. Um, yeah keep your shit safe on youtube ladies and gentlemen but yeah. i wanted to ask you mm-hmm. so you you went over a lot of it in your tedx speech but what are some things like that just average people me or somebody just a few i guess sounds like you there's a ton 
but uh like what are like the main things like uh an everyday person like say somebody listening to this conversation what do they need to do with like let's just start on social media everybody's on social media what are some oh, things yeah. that yeah. they could do to help keep their security up to par yeah um so social media is a amazing way to um manipulate people right so um <clears throat> It's, it's called social engineering. I don't know if you've heard of that before. Essentially, um, people just leveraging people to get what they want, right? Or yeah. to do something for them. Um, and uh, there's a lot of misinformation to um, 2016 election with Russia. I actually have a friend over at Facebook and he leaves their entire misinformation department, which is um, super interesting, but also extremely stressful when you <laughs> really dig into it. But yeah. um, keeping your, your privacy settings, I mean, locked down. So, Think about the creepiest person you can ever think about and mm -hmm. think about them on a, on a website looking at your Facebook profile. What do you want them to see, right? You can even get as, as crazy as a serial killer or a um, pedophile. What yeah. do you want them to see on, on your profile when they click on it, right? Do you want them to see your kids? Do you want them to see where you live, where you work, any of that stuff? Um, sorry, my phone's ringing. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so lock that stuff down. There's no reason. For anybody, if if they know you, they should add you, and you should add them. Mm -hmm. and that's it, right? Yeah. Um, also, adding people, right? Do you know them? <laughs> so, right. I I'm actually guilty of this, right? My Twitter is wide open. Um, I do that purposefully because I'm weighing my risks, right? Yes. Um, I'm obsessed with <clears throat> my network and um, meeting new people, whether it's cyber or other industries. Um, but at the same time, I know how not to be an idiot, <laughs> not right. to be like rude, no, right? that but sense. that's a part of it, right? Just like use your head, think about things before you do them, you know, like, um, it's a mindset switch, right? And it's call it paranoia, call it hypervigilant. Um, it, but it is right. It's, it's, it's just one of those things that you kind of have to do. Yeah. Um, I constantly telling people do not get on public internet. Yeah. Do not get on public internet. Do not get on public internet. I would love to, in that TEDx, I, I really wanted to kind of dig in and really give people FUD, which is fear and unreasonable doubt. Um, <clears throat> like, so I could get on a computer and I could sit in a shopping center, right? Because most, most Wi-Fi can reach out, I don't know, what is it, 150 feet or something? Mm -hmm. So you've got sometimes you go to places you have things built like a restaurant next to a starbucks next to a library next to something else right right so if you found the perfect spot to just sit there there are tools which are free on the internet 100 free where you can <clears throat> listen to that traffic right and you're not essentially listening to it but you have a terminal open that is picking up what people are doing right on the on this wi-fi and if you aren't careful you aren't using a VPN or you aren't on a trusted site that's taking care of your information, you can get plain text passwords, right? Mm. Just coming across the wire. Let me just, let me just copy and paste that. Right? Um, and we know everybody, everybody does it. Even I do it for bullshit accounts. I use the same password, right? I have this yeah. I have a shitty password for bullshit accounts, right? Quick Sign up easy. for Nike or something stupid, right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, you're not supposed to do that, obviously, but we all do it because we have to sign into a million things just to live our, our lives. Right. Um, so that's just an example. Stay off of the public internet. 
use a VPN and obviously have better passwords. Yeah. Um, 14 characters or more, um, capitals, lowercases, symbols. Um, I know I talked about Sandra Bullock in there, which is still extremely accurate. Yeah. But <clears throat> lately what I've been doing too is taking an entire sentence, um, taking the first letter from each word and then sticking it in that password, right? Mm. Um, so, I mean, you could think of anything. Taylor and Aaron are going to Columbus, Ohio on October this, right? So you take the first letter and then, you know, change up some things. And then it's easier to remember at yeah. that point, yeah. right? Or you just have a long ass password with like super califragilisticexpialidocious. I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. But make it something memorable and don't, don't write it down. Don't write it down. Don't put it in your phone. Um, those are essentially the basics. Um, there was another one I wanted to put in there and it was, it was going up against a VPN and it's, um, it's missing me right now. But a lot of the time, what I tell people is just to think before you do, right. Yeah. Just like you would anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, there, there are super creepy people out there, very malicious. Individuals. Yeah. I, I saw, I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw your account. You had tweeted something and, um, I clicked on your profile. I was like, what's her, what's her Abby. And then I clicked on it and it was yeah. you, your wife. And your kids, but your kids, is, your kids' faces are blurred out. And I was like, yeah. "Oh shoot!" And I was going to ask yeah. you about that, but you answered it already with what you want people to see, and that's that's not something you want people to see. Um, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So another thing yeah. I was going to ask you is that, like you said, your Twitter is wide open. My mm -hmm. my Twitter, I don't remember if it's wide open or not, but I know my Instagram is open, and I know my Facebook is open, and that's simply because obviously I have like a, a, a brand that I'm trying to start and exactly, yeah. you want, you want eyes on it, you know, of course, but mm -hmm. what are some of the ways that you could like, quote unquote, not be an idiot on there? Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like just for the yeah. people who are listening, just so that they know and could use that, that advice and put it into practical and actual use. Yeah, no, that's a good question. So I think there's two sides of it, right? You trying to build your brand, I think you need to be a little bit more meticulous about what you're doing, yeah. right? So if people add you, um, pay attention to who, who's adding you. Maybe even go through that list every so often to who's mm -hmm. actually active, right? Um, I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, the AV club, I was just telling, um, <laughs> just telling Jess yesterday that if, you know, you have so many options with that name, and you could go in like a, a bunch yeah. of different places. So that was super, super smart of you. Um, Cause even just like, a, you know, audio video mm -hmm. company, media, you know what I mean? Set yeah. things for people. Yeah. Anyway. So um, <laughs> yeah. So keeping track of um, who's following you, keeping track of even what you're posting too, mm -hmm. to be honest. And um, maybe you only keep content on there for 30 days because yeah. some of it is, reusable at that point as you get new new followers mm -hmm. and stuff right um starting conversations is another one that's that's another way to build your brand but you have to be careful with it obviously yeah. right so just an example because <clears throat> i i have somewhat of a brand it's just me <laughs> that i'm yeah. trying to, to build right although uh, my leadership coach says i should trademark keep your shit safe and I, i'm starting to think I, maybe i should but yeah um, you should yeah the other day i, I had um posted on on twitter and i was like um you know, I will help. So essentially I will help anyone in cybersecurity, right? That's what the first line said, but I will especially help women. Right. And I had all of these dudes hit me up talking <laughs> trash. Right. Yeah. Always, always dudes hit. They were trolls. Right. Mm. And I looked at their profiles 
and it was really hard to tell if they were actual people. Obviously, they're not bots or anything because they were conversing with me. But if you know the their picture that they actually had was actually them or something like that, right. you know, yeah. um, just keeping track of who's watching you. To be completely honest, um, and then if you aren't building a brand, you just have your stuff open. First of all, there's no reason for that, <laughs> and then second of all, um, you know, you really need to be conscious of what you're posting and what you're saying and what people might know about you. Right. And generally people who are getting into cybersecurity, I have them do a little exercise where they get on the internet and they use some tools that I, you know, tell them about to just research themselves in your mind, act like somebody who is trying to take advantage of you and look on the internet and see what you can find about yourself. And then think about how you would take advantage of yourself. Right. So, for example, um, if you Google my name, you'll see LinkedIn, you'll see Twitter. Right. You'll see some of the some of the talking stuff that I put out there. You'll see that I used to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Right. So just from that information, you could probably put together a phishing email. Right. Click on this link for free basketball tickets. I don't know. That's really that's not as sophisticated right. or, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to hook up with you to get you on my podcast. Uh, fill out this sheet with some information so I can hit mm-hmm. you up. You can get my cell phone number. You can get all this stuff, right? If I were to actually fill that out for another speaking opportunity. Um, so yeah, I know that's a lot, but <laughs> there's, no. there's there's much more. No, I believe that there's a ton more and that's really good information for people. And mm-hmm. especially for me, like that's a, that's a really good idea. I never thought about like 30 days recycling posts or anything like mm-hmm. that. I did, I do have like, it's not like I'm getting hundreds of followers like a day, but I do have enough to where I could probably go through it and check and be like, oh, okay, this guy's, you're out of here. That's smart. Right. I, I haven't thought of that actually, or the recycling post thing. That's, that's good. That's good insight. So yeah. Thank you for that. I mean, you get, you get big enough too. you get people to do that for you. Right. So, right. But, but social media is the new way to, to connect with people, you know, across the United States or whatever. Um, I was thinking about how I joined Twitter, like, a year ago and my followers have increased a lot just because I talk to people. Right. Yeah. And they, you know, yeah. Your Twitter's good, by the way. I like your tweets. Thank you. Yeah. Shout out. What's your Twitter? Shout it out real quick so people can see it. Uh, Well, it's Samara. So S A M A R and then it's three A's A A A R (laughs) capital R W. Good stuff. Don't follow if you're a weirdo though. Yeah, nah. Um, what? Um, let's transition into something a little more pers- personal for you. Um, yeah. So you're a new mom. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. How is that? How has that been transitioning to? Uh, not just <laughs> to uh, a marriage with just you and your wife. To you now have three kids. Yeah. Well, how has that been? Yeah with work and with literally every aspect like man it's such an adjustment it has literally changed every aspect of my life yeah right um mostly for the better with the exception of i I would really just like to take a shit in peace you know what i mean like (laughs) just the simplest stuff right you just want to you know um thankfully they're at school right so yeah now i can actually get some things done and be alone and in my own thoughts but yeah so so in every aspect, like I said, in my relationship, it's improved, right? Before, Jess and I were just up each other's ass 24-7. Mm-hmm. We never had an opportunity to miss each other. Now we do, right? So now that quality time, it means even more, 
at this point, right? We even feel closer kind of going through this together as well, right? Because it's tough. Yeah. It's absolutely tough. Just the volume of children as well. And like yeah. um, <laughs> the amount of energy and just having to be at 100 most of the day. And just all the responsibilities, like taking them to the doctor and shit. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I don't even take myself to the doctor half the time and I took on three kids. So, um, but then also like with my health, I lost like a ton of weight in the process, right? Some of it from stress, but also others from activity too, mm -hmm. and just being up and around and, and playing and going to the park and just keeping them active, kept myself active, right? So um, another plus. And then, you know, I also, I don't watch as much TV or do as much like monotonous, not important things. Yeah. Now my time, I have to be extremely um, intentional with my time. Yeah. Now. Right. So um, just like with with Jess, you know, the time that I get by myself to be able to watch my shows and take like 30 minutes, it just means more. Yeah. You know, so but it's been it's been kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah, I bet. That's mm -hmm. so how was that process? So like, let's talk about the oh, God. the I guess the adoption process. How was that? Mm -hmm. I knew it took a while for you guys. And well, compared to some cases, it didn't take very long, but no. It was still a, a a journey for you guys. So what was yeah. that like? Yeah. So in the very beginning, you first you find an agency, right? Mm -hmm. And it was extremely important for us to find an agency. We're not just some, you know, white heterosexual couple, right? We're, you know, homosexual, interracial, young female, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. we really were, um, again, intentional about finding the right agency for us. And we, we did, thankfully, Open Arms Adoption. Um, they're amazing. And um, that that took a little while, right? Because there's 40 something in Ohio. And we just went through and started um, doing some research on all of them. I mean, to be completely honest, we took out the religious ones, like ones held by Catholic churches and stuff. Right. We're not even yeah. going to try that. <laughs> not even going to try it. Um, <laughs> but the other ones, exactly. The other ones, we just, um, and we weren't doing international, we were doing domestic. We we're still trying to figure out between infant and um, foster care, right? Yeah. But we, from our perspective, we haven't even, we haven't proved that we can't have kids, you know, because we're two feet, we have two wombs, right? You, one doesn't work, try the other one, right? But, right. Um, so, we, you know, give that a try. But so we eventually landed on foster care and we had like a top five to 10 agencies and we started just spraying emails out. And the reason that we picked the one that we picked was because of how responsive they were. Jess and I know ourselves. We know how many questions we have. We know that we need that instant gratification. So the fact that they were responsive to us with good information, uh -huh. that's the reason we, you know, we picked them. So um, after that, you go through all this paperwork, then you go through all of this training. And then once you're finally approved, you get this, this gigantic, um, it's, it's essentially a checklist of characteristics you'll be willing to take on. And it's not everything from um autism to lighting shit on fire to accused of sexual assault to like homosexuality mm -hmm. to all of this stuff right Dang. and you're just like man <laughs> it's extremely daunting yeah right probably because you're you like, don't even think about right no absolutely not like a feeding tube through the nose or through the abdomen um oh yeah you know wow. autism and there's different levels of autism that you can accept and all of this stuff and essentially our agency said be more open and closed off, right? Yeah. Because unfortunately, the system, uh, certain foster parents will have their kids go through different tests and stuff because 
the more things that are wrong with the kids, the more money foster parents get paid, right? Dang. So yeah, it's it's pretty unfortunate. So for instance, if we would have said no to like ADHD or something like that, or even autism, right? One of our kiddos was tested for both. And we wonder if we wouldn't have even had the opportunity because if we would have been closed off to that. Wow. Right? Yeah. So <clears throat> anyway, um, once we filled all that out, um, the agency starts to reach out and it's just like, hey, would you be open to these kids? Da, 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 da. And you get, you know, you get put on this, not list, but top three parents right. for a kid, right? And it's crazy because the kid has no, no idea about you, but you know about them, right? Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, and then your, your brain starts to go through all these fantasies of what it would be like and, and, and what's not, whatnot. So um, there was a couple of times where we, were, we reached out and it's just so much, it's a roller coaster ride of emotions yeah um so we finally it was like oh gosh it's like four to four different times that we had to go through some sort of roller coaster um and then we finally uh got an email because originally we were only open to two kids right and um our adoption director was like hey would you ever consider three and we're just like what <laughs> yeah you know um it was it was really hard for Justin and I to just say no without knowing anything about them yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, especially because we trusted our adoption director. Yeah. And if she thinks that we would be a good couple for three kids, we should at least hear her out. Right. Yeah, of course. So we went through it. We read their, you know, they, they put together like this little autobiography for parents to read through and stuff. And the personalities matched up really well, which they do currently. Right. So, so that was nice that it came to fruition, but um, we were like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. <laughs> right. We just couldn't. <laughs> We couldn't be like, what if we would have gave up on that, right? Mm -hmm. We could still be waiting. Some people who don't open themselves up to things are waiting for two years to be contacted about kids. Yeah. Um, so uh, it ended up us being, you know, one of the top three par uh, parents, parent groups, couples. And um, the agency actually, Alabama, um, the, the, the caseworker, social worker, amazing. Alabama system itself, I, I don't know. But um <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh so they actually said you know what all three all three parents were from open arms adoption so they said you know director caseworker you guys choose who the best parents are and they actually ended up choosing us um i think partly because um i had so our kids are black i have a feeling that <laughs> the other parents may have been like caucasian or something um <laughs> and we are kind of blended right and then um we don't, we don't have any kids. Right. So our adoption director was just like, Hey, you know, you don't have any kids. You don't have any predisposition about what parenting should look like. Right. And that's, that's essentially what these kids need, um, is to build structure and have somebody, you know, cater their parenting style to the kids yeah. themselves. So, um, once we got chosen, oh man, that waiting period was brutal. Yeah. I think it was about four months mm -hmm. just to get everything together. Um, and then the transition itself was very bad. So generally parents go visit the kids on like a respite basis on a weekend or something. You hang out together. Um, and we didn't meet the kids until the day we got them. Essentially. Right. Yeah. The kids didn't find out about us until the morning that we got them. So big, big change. Um, but like I said, thankfully, you know, personalities meshed really well. 
that first week we stayed in Alabama with them, we just led with gentle, didn't even really discipline or anything like that because we needed to build trust and comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, got on a plane with them, which was um, <laughs> terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. Flying, you know, traveling in general kind of sucks, right? Right. Um, doing it with kids is a whole another whole another level, and yeah. the boys are nervous pukers, and we had these bags these bags that they can puke and we actually bought them ahead of time um because they didn't yeah they didn't they've never been on a plane i remember not I, you know, my first plane ride was when i was six that shit's scary you're just in the air <laughs> like what it is scary uh, you're like in the sky uh, <laughs> when i think about it now i'm still you know kind of nervous of the hawaii trip that i took i was just like fuck i'm gonna be in the air for like nine hours like, yeah, i was miserable what yeah. oh yeah you, you, motion sickness i'm the same way yeah i can't read or anything Mm-mm. um so yeah that was the whole thing but once we got home we started laying some ground rules putting our foot down and a lot of adjustments came with that yeah. right so we go through different phases and different different times where we start to level up on them but they're extremely adaptable kids crazy adaptable kids yeah they're also super sweet and crazy funny um so it it's all it's all working out really well that's so cool are yeah. they how do they take to new people are they are they pretty accepting and to new people yeah so yeah so the four-year-old is a girl she is extremely she's an extrovert she loves people she <laughs> will talk to strangers like we went to a trampoline park the other day and she was just talking to this woman right and I go up to the woman I'm like what what is she saying to you <laughs> you know what I mean and, <laughs> and the woman was like I don't know because <laughs> sometimes she just speaks nonsense she's yeah. just talking to talk right um and you know she still has a little bit of an Alabama thing going on so I don't think people up here really get it or you know understand her um no she's great with visitors she actually goes through a little honeymoon but before she starts being her herself which mm. is a very strong-willed uh stubborn child yeah um, yeah um but she's a lot of really great qualities that we just need to like you know, shift the energy a little bit, make it more positive energy than, yeah. than negative. Um, and then the the middle kid, he's four, uh, I'm sorry, six. And um, he is just very oblivious, but I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. Um, sometimes it is, but he, he could be completely fine in his own world and not know, like not see any people around yeah. him, um, which is, which is really interesting because you think about the defense mechanisms that they've um you know started to, to put right. up being around you know other kids in foster care and it was really weird because in the beginning one of them would be crying and the other two were just like like yeah. fine you know what i mean but it's like they're able to block it out because they're just used to it uh-huh. it's probably a kid always crying in a foster home right yeah so <clears throat> anyway so he can um but once he warms up to you he's like super funny he will he dances in public does not care who's watching we were at the barbershop yesterday because they have picture day tomorrow and he was just he was digging the music just dancing <laughs> in the middle of the barbershop that's um, awesome yeah loves to sing but isn't very good but um he yeah no he's super super funny and just super silly loves to crack jokes and play jokes on people um so you'll have a lot of fun with them and yeah. then um so the seven-year-old um the oldest he he takes to visitors the hardest yeah he is always he's always in his head he's crazy 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 smart super good with his hands but i think the his intelligence gets the best of him sometimes yeah his anxiety his anxiety is off the charts off the charts yeah right um he makes a mistake and he feels he he like feels it 
physically mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so when when visitors come around he's just like oh are they gonna like me da, 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 da. when the the truth is he is the sweetest kid he is like a little gentleman too right <laughs> and like loves to be helpful and anybody who who meets him despite some of his shortcomings he he is a great kid yeah right but he doesn't know that mm. so working through a lot of stuff but we've yeah. you know we've had some visitors mostly people on my side of the family and they they've done great after a day and a half yeah they just they start to warm up after that so that's awesome how yeah. has how has being a mom changed you like not at oh. home but like out in the world out in the wild yeah out in the wild <laughs> so um I, you know I was really scared in the beginning that it was going to change me completely right I'm like am I never gonna you know talk about extremely vulgar things like I usually <laughs> do anymore and stuff you know but really now I just let the fucks fly when the kids aren't around because yeah. I'm just happy <laughs> to be free so um no. So in the wild, let's see, I think the biggest thing that I talk to people about is how I look at people in general, mm-hmm. right? So the training, these kids, adults are just large traumatic children, right? Or traumatized children, I should right. say. Um, and uh, so, they, and, and basically when they were growing up, it wasn't like cool to talk about therapy and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. nine times out of 10, they didn't deal with their shit. You know what I mean? So, and it's, it's a, it's, again, it's a mindset change where you look at somebody and you're like, man, you're an asshole. You know, instead of saying what's wrong with you, you say, what's happened, what happened to you? You know, like, you know, that joke where people are like, who hurt you? Man? Right. Yeah, but yeah. Legitimately who the fuck hurt you? Yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> it's, it's for real. It's like true. Um, so that's a big one. I think it's, I don't think it's made me more patient, but I do think it's made me, um, just analyze situations differently yeah. and how I approach them um, differently. Yeah. yeah. More understanding almost like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I I've, still, I still have high expectations, but I'm more. Right. That's good. <laughs> I've, I've heard that having kids makes you exactly what you said. Kind of think of them as like a, a child almost like, Oh, yeah. this, this is just a kid who maybe went through some things and hasn't worked them out. Like you just said, that's, exactly. that's crazy. Cause like, that's a, almost a unanimous thing people say across the board whenever they have children yeah well and um what's what's even crazier about it and you kind of got me on this whole like philosophical kick and shit but (laughs) um you know in in during the adoption process they encourage you to deal with your own shit right because you're getting traumatized kids who need to deal with their shit and you can only take your kids as far as you've gone Mm -hmm. right so Jess and I are in therapy and all this stuff, but when you think about regular Joe Schmo, you know, heterosexual couples who've had their own kids, who, you know, everybody's traumatized in some way, right? But mm-hmm. some, some more severe than others. Um, if that parent hasn't dealt with any of their shit, they, they can only take their kids so far, Yeah. right? What if that kid actually goes through some stuff, right? Um, and that's actually probably some of the topics Jess and I talk about in therapy, right? Because both of our parents have kind of been through stuff, but they yeah. haven't been able to take us, take us as far as um, you know, they've been because yeah. they're not gay and haven't been traumatized by, you know, racist and prejudiced yeah. people and stuff, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's like a bit of cycle. Cool. Cyclish you know, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. I I think relating that to me it's like I see that I see how my 
obviously my parents didn't go to any sort of counseling or therapy mm-hmm. and not that we had a hard life or anything, but it's just, it, it hasn't extended past what they have given us because it's right. it's not something we know to do, you know, which is so wild yeah. because if you really think about it, kind of going off of what you said, if you don't deal with your shit and you're about to receive three children to take care of, then some of that shit's going to fall into their shoulders too, you know, and then exactly. it's just going to be, that's, exactly. that's crazy. Yeah, well, and it's, I, I go through these conversations right now with my own family members where I, I feel myself projecting my feelings onto yeah. my kids, right? I don't want my kids to feel that way. So I don't want, but the truth is like the relationship is completely different because it's two different people, mm-hmm. right? And we're all wired and, you know, differently in our brains chemically and otherwise and um, handle things differently. Yeah. So that's yeah. crazy. Okay. I got a question for you. Yeah. Which, uh, which kid is your favorite? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> listen, listen. No, seriously though, I um I have a kid. So so the oldest boy yeah. is a lot like me. So personality-wise, we're different. He's very, he's sort of introverted, very nervous. Um, and I'm obviously a little bit more, you know, boisterous and kind of out there. But behavior-wise and anxiety-wise, I understand him better right? I understand why he does the thing that he does. Yeah. Um, so that, so that helps me when I, when I sort of deal with him, Jess is actually a lot, um, a lot like the middle, the middle kid where their behaviors and how they handle things are very similar so that she gets them a little bit better, but he, but our personalities, mine and his are extremely similar, like dancing in public. I, I embarrass Jess all the time, you yeah. know, like, yeah. um, and then, you know, the youngest kid, she is just her own person, mm-hmm. right? So I, I appreciate them for all of their different, you know, um, all their different value and whatnot. And depending on the situation, I, they are my favorite kid in that moment, right? So yeah. it's nice because I would hate to hate <laughs> one of right. my kids. Really. Yeah, that would be, that would suck. <laughs> Honestly, that was Who's a very good answer. <laughs> that was a very, yeah. very good answer. I did not expect you to answer it at all. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. was good. Well, like, playing sports it's the oldest yeah right but you know listening to music going somewhere is probably the middle kid yeah right? yeah and then you know basically doing any sort of imagination play is the younger the youngest yeah. kid uh, she can really get into it like for instance this morning um i was i was holding she was sitting on my lap i was sitting in a chair and i just started patting her back like as if i was burping her or something yeah. and she caught on immediately and did like a fake burp it was oh, the wow. funniest thing. Four <laughs> years old, dude, and just has this crazy, like, they all have different humor, too. Yeah. Which it really complements Jess and I, because we're so different as well. So, yeah. We're, we're our own little perfect family. Yeah. yeah. Y'all, got, y'all have a cool family. I can't wait to meet the little kids. Yeah. Okay. This is the last They're question, awesome. though, for real. Um, mm-hmm. Drake or Kanye, which album do you like better? <laughs> I don't listen to either of those guys. What? You didn't hear either? I really one? don't. No. Oh man! No, you listen to I have him. zero, zero interest. Okay. Big fat goose egg. Then I guess um, you don't have to listen. To <laughs> I know, right? Um, I mean, talk to me about the next Rihanna album dropping. Whenever the fuck that is. Never. Um, she's never. never drop absolutely in. not. She's just like she's just like hanging on to us forever. Cliffhanger moments. But, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, what is something recent? So Billie Eilish, I am a I am a fan. Okay. Of her music. Okay. She just dropped an album recently which is good. And then I like a lot of random shit, like Haley Williams. Um, Never heard of her. She's got super chill music from Paramore. Uh, Lead singer of Paramore. She has her own music now. Well, okay, we're gonna have to share some stuff with each other. Yeah, yeah the whole like, 
Drake and Kanye thing? Nah, like, no. Just not, <laughs> not into, into it. it. Yeah. Just not into it. Yeah. I'm just big on like R&B, acoustic, um, slower stuff that I can sing. Or either okay. super fast stuff. I feel that. I Alvin like that Harris. stuff. Yeah. That's good stuff. You don't yeah. seem like you don't seem like a Calvin Harris kind of gal, but whatever. I love I love a good a good ass beat, especially because my truck. <laughs> you know, I'm like obsessed with my truck, and it's oh, got yeah, yeah. fantastic bass and stuff. So anything that really gets that going. Um, but rap, I just can't. You know, I'm not a feminist or anything like that, but constantly rapping about titties and ass, like I I'm all yeah. right. And I, Drake is kind of whiny for me. Yeah. Too. No, I get that. I get that. So, he. Yeah. This album is a little bit. Well, I wouldn't say different, but the the beats are cool. I'm more into rap for the beats okay. than, than the lyrics. Yeah. There are some lyricists that I admire and I like, but these guys are just really for the beats. Like I don't Yeah. I'm not gonna listen to what Kanye has to say. You know what I'm saying? Like it does <laughs> it has no application to my life. No, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Same with Drake. Um, I, mean. I mean, there there are certain songs like with Meg the Stallion and, and Nicki Minaj that I can really get down. <laughs> I can really get down with it, but it's gotta be nasty. Like yeah. I either I like super nasty ass music or I'm just like in love and happy with R and B. Yeah. Right. There's not really because I used to listen to like Kevin Gates, like that oh, kind of yeah. nasty shit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it depends uh, on my mood. Because I also, you know, listen to rock music on occasion yeah. as well. Yeah. It's huge into rock. I like that. What about country? Do you like yeah. country? Or is that like a no, no go? No. Okay. No. So so when I moved up to Ohio, that was probably one of my favorite fucking things. I could go somewhere and like they're playing jazz or like acute acoustic music, not country. Yeah. <laughs> if I want like, country, I have to go to Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> that's it. I don't have to listen to it. I don't have to listen to it if I don't want to. That's good. Yeah, it's everywhere it's over best. here. It's everywhere. Literally everywhere. Okay. I literally don't miss it. <laughs> so. I'm gonna play some country music when I go down there. Yeah. No thanks. <laughs> well, and you know, um, so the oldest, he actually um loves music in general. Mm-hmm. He's actually extremely musical. So he will literally make up a song with a different melody. Yeah. From a different song. Right. What? Um that's cool. Yeah, no, dude is crazy. Like I'm trying to get him to play an instrument or something. Um, so but he he likes some country music. Yeah. Yeah. What instrument? Yeah, so. What do you think? I don't know because he actually does like to sing, and he's got this like really nice raspy thing going on. Um, so we were thinking like a guitar, yeah. probably. Um, he had brought up a trumpet. I don't think he'll be into that. But um, yeah, I think guitar or drums. Actually, drums. The rhythm that comes with that is actually really good for like traumatized kids and stuff as really? well. Um, yeah, something repeatable. Oh. Is, so. Um, and, and same thing with the guitar, right? The, the strumming of the guitar. So um, one of those. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. All but he's got to like it because I'm not, I'm not buying, I'm not paying all that money for him to give that shit up. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're going to have to commit to it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You got to, you got to approach it a certain way. It's my, yeah. my mom made me take piano lessons. I really didn't want to go. She made mm. me which is like kind of like a motherly thing. You know, sometimes you do have to be forced into stuff to do it, to figure out if you right. like it or not. And if, yeah. unfortunately I didn't like the lessons, but I loved playing the piano and then I just stopped. And then mm. I regret it obviously now, but it's just really the way you approach it as, as a mother. And like, I think you'll really no, totally. like this. So, but I'll encourage yeah. that. I, I can't wait to see the little guys and girl. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm freaking excited to go visit you guys and have a good time. Yeah. Thank We're excited you. to have you. 
Yeah, I'm freaking pumped. Uh, Taylor wanted me to tell you hi, you and Jess. Hey, hey, Taylor. <laughs> she said, I just talked to her on the phone before, and she said, uh, tell them I said hi, and tell them I miss them, and I can't wait to see them. And I was like, I think I'm just going to say the hi part, but okay. Yeah, we are seriously excited, and I hope you're ready to get beat up. Um, I don't know if you've met AC, my little sister's boyfriend, but they were Mm-mm. just murdering him with pillows. They love really? the pillow fight. Yeah. <laughs> okay yeah so that sounds good <laughs> yeah awesome i'm excited well thank you sam for joining me and uh i appreciate it oh do you have a shout out your social media is there anything you would like people to check out uh um, no, i mean i yeah you you shout out my tedx that's what i usually do and my twitter so I'll i mean samara williams right i'm gonna have my name on there so just google that it's not super common yeah, yeah. you need to get that uh keep your shit safe Patent and really make a shirt. Make, make some, a shirt. Make some fucking t-shirts. Yes. Yeah, like a, a coaster. I love coasters. <laughs> <laughs> totally. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's I love coasters. Oh, yeah. uh, that's so funny. Alrighty, Sam. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, All right, man. we'll see you soon. See you soon. All right. Bye. Later.